0: Hello, welcome to Governing Chatters. This is the senior leadership team at National Governance Association taking stock of where we are um, at almost very nearly at the end of the, the school year.
1: I'm Emma Knights, Chief Executive at NGA. Hi, I'm Emma Bolchin, Director of Professional Development at NGA.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Edmonds. I'm Director of Advice and Guidance at NGA.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Sam Henson, Director of Policy and Communications at NGA.
0: So it's been a while since we've got together. There's been so much happening uh, out there that we've been very, very much involved in. And the months have really whizzed by in 2023. And the same subjects seem to be recurring uh, again and again, don't they? And the, the, the first one that sort of jumps up at me... Um, that we have been looking out for, for well, actually, for for a couple of years, is progress on send. This is something, Steve, that you've been watching and working on for um, a long time now. Um, wh- what do you think's been happening lately of note?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think before I, before I I talk about that, I should also say that it's something that that means a great deal to our members as well and is challenging more and more uh, of our members, whether they're serving uh, mainstream provision or or, or special education provision. Uh, The SEND crisis has not gone away since we last spoke, Uh, uh, but what has happened since we last spoke was the the much anticipated and long-awaited SEND delivery plan, the plan for delivering the commitments that the government set out in the green paper, did arrive in the spring. Uh, and we welcomed its arrival uh, and actually um we we saw it as as something that um had the potential to make a real difference to a to a broken system um with its uh commitment to uh structural reforms and uh national standards all those things we think strategically um moves in the right direction, but the reality check here is around a delivery timescale. Um, what we're not going to see is the delivery, decisive delivery of this plan um, in this parliament, simply because there will be no legislation to, perform, uh, to support it. Instead, we're going to have quite an, a, a long and drawn out test and pilot program to test some of these, uh, these reforms, which is due to take us to the end of 2025. Now, there's, there's not a great... Uh, Deal of political certainty uh, around them. It's whether the, whether the government will be in place, if the polls are to be believed, then there's every likelihood that we will have a different government by then. And if Labor win power, it's fair to assume that they will have their own priorities and ideas. And we don't yet know uh, how send is going to feature in, in those. So um, we pleased to see the pleased to see the reforms. Welcome them. Saw the potential of them. But it's not great news for our, our vulnerable children and young people uh, that this this process is is, is nowhere near uh, achieving what it needs to.
0: And actually, that's a good point to to say that um, NGA, as as the um, voice as we aim to be of the governance community, we are in conversations with the Labour Party team, as well as of course um, with the Department for Education and. Um, the government, um, education ministers, and, and civil civil servants. So um, we are engaged on this conversation We will absolutely continue to to raise those issues around um, pupils pupils with SEND and and the um, concerns that are forwarded to us by members. I mean, Steve, you and uh, Rani Kaur are, are uh, head of advice recently. Um, ran our uh, SEND forum, and um, at that, uh, I imagine that that those concerns were sort of writ large, particularly around pace and and funding.
2: Funding uh, in particular, Emma, I mean, I, I think it can't be understated the impact that the school funding crisis has had on specialist provision, um because we know that special schools are more expensive to run of course they require more mm. staff uh, and that means they're also in the eye of the you know that particular storm which is recruitment recruitment and recruiting support staff in particular so what we were hearing is very challenging or challenged first hand accounts from from governors and trustees in special schools in particular of of the the daily challenges they're facing, just staffing their schools first and foremost, uh, before we get to providing the quality of provision that that, that you know all our pupils mm. are entitled to uh, and deserve to receive. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The, the, the conversations we have with our network, our SEND network, as informative and inspiring as they are, they they're very bleak as well right now because of the funding landscape.
0: And actually, I think those words sum up quite a number of the topics that we're talking about with our members in, in whatever sort of phase or or structure uh, they govern in. And we are definitely going to come back to resources and workforce and and pay in a moment. Um, but just before we do, I think we ought to have a moment or or two on on structures because uh, we have. St- talked every single time on the on governing chatters about the white paper and what that means for the um shape of the school system over the, the coming years. Um, and we have just had a rather long awaited piece of guidance around um uh, how the regional directors are going to to commission um academies um so some do you want to just say a, a little bit about that before we t- return to money and people?
3: Thanks, Emma. Uh, yeah, so I think um, the, the the guidance that you've mentioned, Emma, is is uh, as you say something um, we were we were uh, we were told to to expect um, when the white paper was released. Um, I think it forms very much part of the department's um, wider vision for a system that is um, built on um, this idea of of high quality trusts, which I I think that language, that terminology has really been making its way through the the system of of late, hasn't it? And I think there's been a slight shift from the the language we were using before to that high quality aspect. Um, The commissioning guidance, really is is what it says on the tin isn't it i think it's about how um uh, the the department through the regional directors um uh, commissions trust to take on schools and, and and grow um and the the parameters of which it will look at in order to make those those decisions um i i don't think there's anything Massively groundbreaking in it, if if I'm honest, I think um, you know a lot of it is is based on the stuff we already we already knew, um, but it does set out the 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 evidenced approach that the department will take, um, which I think you know is useful for um, uh, trust boards in particular, and and um, and also schools that are looking to join trusts potentially. In the future, it gives them a bit more of an idea of actually when they're trying to figure out the trust that they they want to consider looking at um, what what are the things that are, are deemed to be important in defining the the, the quality of a trust. Um, so I think from from both perspectives, it's 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 useful. Um, the the final thing I'll say about about it, Emma, is I think. Um, the the role of, of the boards um, is is very much a part of it. I don't think it's specified enough, um, but it, it it's there, um, and um, I think in, in general we've, we're seeing this a bit a bit at the moment, aren't we? With a number of pieces where the departments kind of lumping the uh, trustees in with the wider leadership aspect. So we've seen the the pillar that was originally going to be the the strategic governance pillar now become leadership and governance and and those two kind of merged into one.
0: Absolutely, that's really important because when we first saw the draft guidance, we were a bit worried about the fact that trustees and boards' role weren't weren't sort of specified. And so they um, said, oh, but that's because you come under the the trust leaders um, uh, category, which I don't think the world out there necessarily immediately thinks. So it's now been added into the added into the glossary, um, because there is obviously a real distinction to be made about what is the role of the board, particularly the role of the chair in, in working with the DFE regional directorate, um as opposed to the the executives. And I think that's a message that we'd have for all boards of of trustees of, of trusts uh, that want to grow. Is that absolutely make sure that's on your agenda too? And if you think it's necessary to be part of those conversations with the regional director, um, then you know impose yourself upon those discussions. You shouldn't be on the the periphery of them. Uh, and it also, um, uh, I think, the other thing that that perhaps needs uh, pointing out is just the fact that this is a step in the right direction on transparency. We've had a lot of our sort of uh, smaller MAP members say so they don't necessarily think they get fair crack of the whip. They're not noticed enough, perhaps, by the powers that be. They, they believe themselves to be um, high, high quality. Um, so that's, that's got to be a good thing. We're going a little way that way, but perhaps not far enough. So we'll wait and see how it actually plays out once it's um, in, in practice next, next academic year. So, back, let's go back, let's go back to money and um, people. Uh, Clearly, we're recording this at the time, um, and it may well be that (laughs) in the next 24 hours, we have some sort of resolution. But right now, we're waiting for the government announcement about any um, future funding, and whether or not the uh, government is going to support the pay review body's recommendation that um, we believe to be 6.5% increase um, in in teachers' pay. Uh, Even though we are one of the organisations that submits evidence to STRB, we haven't yet seen the report Um, ourselves. And obviously, as is all over the news at the moment, the big question is, if the DfE goes with the 6.5%, how much funding is going to come uh, newly from Treasury? Or are schools and trusts going to be able to afford the whole of the 6.5% themselves? And I think it's fair to say we know from our membership lots and lots of people, the vast majority of people wouldn't be able to fund the full 6.5% from their existing trust or school budgets. And one of the reasons I can be so, or we can be so authoritative about that is um, because you have, with your team, been analysing the results of the uh, 2023 survey. So why don't you take us through the big, the big issues from that?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think first thing to say is the, the, the biggest challenge schools and trusts have told us they've got um, across the, the sector really, regardless of um, phase, of type, structure and so on, is, is balancing the budget. and, and it, you know, we, we know that that is something that they tell us pretty much every year, but this year, I think the picture is slightly more um, severe and uh i th- I think that you know it, it what the survey has done has really captured the 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 growing concern um last year absolutely presented some of the the biggest challenges um to to their to their budgets, but I think they've only got worse um in in recent times obviously you know we're all incredibly aware of the impact of the energy crisis. Um, for example, but I thought it was really interesting that um, that, it, that the energy crisis didn't actually uh, make it into the, the top five of of issues that are impacting people's budgets. So, I mean, that just gives you an idea, doesn't it? If, if you know, considering how much we focused on that and that's not even, you know, the top one or two or, or three things, it just, I, I mean, I don't really know what to say. It's just, it's it, it just creates a real a really um concerning picture isn't it and, and I think that that's what everyone's saying um pretty much. Uh, so I, I think that that's that's the first thing um to say about that and obviously we'll we'll do lots of um exploration on that within the report itself um so do do have a look at, at that. Um but I think the other things that are worth saying um on 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 um, the, the, the wider survey findings is the other challenges um that that people attend us um the uh, a- a- attendance being a, a, a big one um and attendance was was the was the only issue that that made it into the top three of challenges and strategic priorities uh, and again i think we've talked about uh attendance collectively b- before but um it's been an issue that's been dominating i think a lot of the um, the education conversations over the last um, over the last year or so, um, and again, I think it's it's it schools and, and trusts are, are struggling to see how we're going to um, uh, move to an improved picture with with, with with that. I think it really feels like actually the mindsets on attendance have, have, have shifted a little bit. Um, um, in, in some places, so that's that's a big worry. The positive side is actually what we're what we're finding is people telling us that um, the, the the simple tool of en- engaging with parents um, remains the most effective thing for, for doing that. I say simple, it's not actually that simple, is it? And um, it, I think um, it, you know we all, we're all aware of the the challenges that can that can present.
0: It is so important, isn't it, to hear from them as to why this is more of a problem than before. So we can make our assumptions from where we're sitting. And obviously, we know this has changed only quite fundamentally post-pandemic. Pandemic, But I was at the roundtable just yesterday and people made the point that um, because of increasing... Um, family pressures with cost of living that actually transport costs were becoming more of an issue, and that they were aware of families where one sibling was going one day and the next the next because they could only afford one set of bus fares i mean that 's you know well i don 't know about unheard of because i 'm sure that may have been a case you know before the pandemic but but to have that sort of example. Um, you know, discussed as not a not that um, of an outsider was um, yeah. Put put that issue of attendance in a slightly different different place. That's just going to be one of many many reasons, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and I think that's that's a really interesting example because I think I think that helps to show the complexity of of the issue because it's not actually one thing or another. Yeah. I mean, that's. You've you've presented there one really important side of it. The the other point is is like you like you also alluded to Emma is the long term reaction from the pandemic. The the attitude changes. Um, I one thing that stays in my mind was um was a quote from um somebody who who completed the the survey who basically said that actually. The, the families in their school were just happy to pay the fines now, and you know they're just that's what you know. So uh, it's 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 incredibly challenging. It's something that I think boards will be thinking more and more about. We already know there have been over the last twelve months, but uh, you know it's been it's been good to see um, uh, schools and trusts uh, and governing boards kind of sharing practice. And uh, as you know, NGA and the the, the work of uh, Steve's team. Very much, kind of been been thinking about this and what we can do to su- support. And we've got some really excellent resources now, um, both in in our guidance and in our um, our e learning uh, learning link as, as well. So,
0: and it might it, it might also just be worth saying that you know, meanwhile there are all of the these pressures financially and you know in terms of workforce recruiting and retaining and paying your your workforce actually schools all over the country you know are getting on with their with their business of educating young people and i think it's sometimes very easy when the sort of policy world is is pretty doom and gloomy actually to you know to forget the sort of joy and fun that there is in in schools generally but also in you know in the run-up to the the summer um, with various events and, and and sports days and and things so in fact the workforce often you know is managing to deliver for, for families as well as it ever um, did but that sort of takes its toll doesn't it on the the people that our governing boards are are employing
3: absolutely and I think we really have to celebrate the, that that. Point that you know, despite the circumstances, you know the weight of which has been growing so quickly. Actually, we do have um, incredibly talented and committed um, staff in in our schools uh, uh, who are who are doing uh, amazing jobs. Who are served by incredibly talented and committed uh, governing boards as well. So I think you know that's that's one thing that you know we shouldn't lose sight of and i think that can sometimes it's 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 easy to lose sight of that because you know we've got to remember that um as a as a sector and um as um uh, a profession people are continually being told how bad it is and uh, i think you know it's it's right that we're drawing attention to the the challenges but actually you know, as we would always say, whilst the the complexities and the challenges are are there and and hugely hugely challenging, actually, the reward of of um, of feeding in to people's lives, um, uh, you know, helping young people uh, achieve their potential, you know, for for the people who really want to do this, that's never going to go away. That's always going to be um, a big big driver. That said, we can't ever take advantage of that, and we we have to be really careful, don't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that we're really conscious of at NGA as well, isn't it? Because we also don't want to be saying it's all so terrible, it's all you know in, impossible, when actually we want to you know, encourage people to govern and and, and to govern um, uh, well. And I think again, that's something, isn't it, that came out of the the survey in terms of volunteer recruitment that's that is also a, a challenge and a continuing and growing challenge isn't it
3: it is yeah and i think that's something we're going to um explore in a bit more in depth with our uh, full report in in september but yeah i mean we're, again we were told year on year that the challenge with that um and, and many of you will know that we've um we've done various things over the years you know the the, for the likes of I think of our physical governance campaign and just to draw more attention to the role and and really kind of shine a light on, on what people are, are, are doing um as as they volunteer their time um but if we if we look at the facts in the 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 cold um light of the of the day i think that the reality is that the recruitment challenge for boards is 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 worse than it's ever been since we've been doing the survey i think that's right isn't it Emma? because obviously I, I wasn't here at NJ when we first started doing the survey it was a long long time ago but that that's kind of the power of the survey because we've been doing it for so long you know we've got that long long, longitudinal picture I always struggle to say that words but yeah Emma I, I think I think you wanted to come in
1: just to say really that a couple of the things that you found in the survey really resonate with um, what our NLGs are finding when they've been undertaking their external reviews of governance. We um, recently had Nina uh, in Sam's team do uh, some uh, qualitative research into uh, some of the most prevalent challenges that we're facing governing boards and perhaps preventing governance being as good as it might be. Um, And the the one around board composition was actually the top issue. So she analysed 200 external reviews of governance. And in over a third of those reviews, the the makeup of the governing board was was the key challenge. Um, So actually, it wasn't just about recruitment, although that was really, really clear. Uh, It relates to your first point, actually, Sam, and, and that one about budget that everybody's really struggling with because they were not only struggling to fill their vacancies it was also actually the issue around financial capability and a particular skill set uh, on larger trusts where budgets were bigger um, having though that sort of expertise on the board being really key and, and sometimes missing a, a bit lower down the list so that was our top issue that the NLGs identified m- more commonly than anything else but um At sort of number five, financial oversight was also there. And then again, at number 10, risk management was also there. And when they dug down into actually what is not going as well as it could around risk management and mitigation and planning. And it was those things around um, falling pupil numbers and the impact that that will have on those budgets, particularly in the primary sector which obviously we know that low cohort of children will work its way through to the secondary sector in, in the years to come. Um, and also in that risk management, again, this relates to something Steve, you touched on, but, but everybody's mentioned on the, the podcast today, which is also around um, a failure to plan or mitigate against staffing issues. So recruitment of staffing also falling in, into that same umbrella.
3: Mm. And, and I think that's that's really important point to make, Emma. And, and I think when we talk about staffing, one thing that the survey has shown us this year, he, more than ever, is um, you know we are we are talking about all staff, aren't we? We're not just talking about teachers. And I think there's been a lot, rightly so, a lot of focus on the 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 um, the crisis really in in. Uh, recruiting and retaining teachers. But actually the, the one thing that, that was interest, interesting with the survey this year was the um the overall that what was reported was um uh, recruit, recruitment and retention of um support staff was actually slightly more of a challenge um than teaching staff and Steve I know that you've 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 you obviously um govern in a couple of different contexts and and it would be something that, that you would have would have seen firsthand, I'm sure.
2: Absolutely. But um, before I talk about that, can we just go back to STRB for a moment? And I'm sorry if I'm I'm stealing your thunder here, Emma, because I'm sure you might would be mentioning this, but I don't want this this to pass by because we're talking about financial oversight here and just how seriously boards take it, not only the discipline of it, but having the capacity to do it. Um, And it just brings into sharp focus, doesn't it, just how disrespectful the government have been to those leading and governing our schools by not publishing the STRB report um, yet. And Emma, you and I go to STRB every year and we say the same thing as I know other organisations do, that it's imperative that we avoid a repeat of previous years. That the, the report is published in a timely way so those governing and leading schools can plan their budgets and 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 meet, do their best to to plan or, or, or pull whatever limited levers they have at their disposal to deal with these issues whether they're recruitment retention falling pupil roles all those challenges um and year on year we say this and to Paraphrase STRB. They say something like, "Well, we're aware of this, and we we hand it over to the government in a timely way, and then you know it's up, it's up to them." But you know, I just think that this year of all years, and I appreciate there's so much going on politically around this, and we, we, we've as we're recording, we've had the announcement of more industrial action in the in the autumn term. I I still think it it's just it's just so disrespectful to those leading and governing schools and. You know, it, it, if we want us to do fin- financial oversight well it, in a climate where the levers that we have available at our disposal and the decisions we have left to make are so limited, then the very least you can do is help us by letting us know where we stand and they just haven't done that. And I just think that I don't, I didn't want the, this this moment to pass in the conversation without going back and acknowledging that. Emma, were you going absolute, to say something like that? Ab-
0: Absolutely. No, you're so, so right. And we have been, um, yes, trying to make that that point directly to the Secretary of State in, in, in letters uh, and uh, to her minister, um, as indeed lots and lots of other people are i mean as 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 you say strb will hear that um from from a lot of people how the timetable does not work in the best of times and we're now absolutely not in the best of times we're at the other extreme end of the spectrum where you know we used to didn't we have strb um and the pay decisions for for april and now july seems to be the new normal when we're you know almost into summer holidays and those um Governors and trustees who are, you know, responsible for budgets will be looking at those with their senior leaders as a result of this. So you're absolutely right; it's completely unacceptable, and we do try and say that in any which way we can, both to, to officials. Um, and it always comes back that it's, you know, it's in part Treasury's fault, and it is indeed the way that they um, manage their accounts. Uh, they can't do it any. Differently in terms of giving people longer notice, but it's yeah, it's something that absolutely needs to be fixed in the system. Um, and uh, this, you know, what's playing out now uh, is is exactly the end result of having said this all of us for many many years and there having been no no change. So we're yeah, acutely aware that many of you will have more than one budget um, uh, for next year, depending on what the the pay rise um looks looks like. So one of the um uh, big findings in this year's um uh survey, which again, as Sam said, longitudinal, we've 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 asked this every single year, apart from I think one year when we were very much approaching a general election, we've asked people what they felt about the government's past year's record. And it the response came back lower than ever. Only nine percent of respondents were happy with the way that the government has um, run education in in England, and that is quite a remarkable finding. When you think that you know governors and trustees do come from all walks of life and all parts of the political spectrum, so the the fact that they're telling us that I think is really symptomatic of the difficulties that schools and trusts find themselves in which isn't necessary or some of it may well come back to ideology but some of it is absolutely about practice and the way that schools are being asked to solve a lot of problems that are coming from outside their their gates picking up um, issues that have arisen because other public services and other voluntary services are absolutely stretched and perhaps not as available and accessible to young people and their families as as they used used to be, so in the same way that leaders are now having to deal with you know a much broader um, spectrum of issues, that feeds up to the governing boards who are now talking about things that probably they never spoke about five, six, seven years ago when the pressures were were not quite as, as huge. So yes, we have just written to MPs um, as well because um, not having made headway with government ministers, we felt it was we've been urging our members both um, uh, uh directly in the newsletter and at our our summer conference to tell their stories um, to uh, to MPs that they need to hear about your experience, they need to understand your your expertise. Um, and actually that was absolutely confirmed to me yesterday. Uh, when I was in Westminster, and um, uh, a senior parliamentarian was asked, "What can we do to get the case across?" and his his answer was, "We need to hear your stories." So that's that is really important. If I can can urge people, no matter what time of year it is, but now is a very critical one, to to keep telling us, but also to keep telling your your elected um, representatives. Um, as as well. So I think we've got two two reports that we'd love you to read. Um, The one that uh, Sam's been referring to, the interim uh, report with the key findings of the survey and the full report will be available at the beginning of term. And then Emma um, talked about that report, the learning from our national leaders of governance, who the programme that we ran for the DfE for two years sadly they're not extending it past those two years and that reason for that was wholly um, about funding we're very disappointed about that not just because we had a fantastic cadre of 70 very um, experienced national leaders of governance um, but because those lessons that we've just been talked about will not necessarily be learned and shared in the same way it will leave a big hole in terms of expertise and support for schools and boards that that need it, that need it most. So I don't know whether I've missed in that canter through all those um, uh, issues. Um, is there anything that uh, I should have said that I that I haven't done? Perhaps one thing is we want to celebrate. Uh, don't we our new brand, which we're very happy happy about being a little bit more modern or a lot more modern than the previous one and extremely and extremely colourful, but each of you may have other things that you just want to include before we sign off for the summer.
1: I guess I would say um, I, I know Steve sort of has done a, a bit of a, a re- refresh of being strategic, and so there's a, a document there we've been driving people to. But the second, the second top issue, and it's very timely, was about boards making sure they really own their vision and that they're involved in guiding and driving the strategic direction of their trust or or school. So I suppose it's kind of the, the time is now. So if you aren't doing it already, one of the biggest lessons we can learn from the external reviews of governance that the NLGs have undertaken is to really take that step back, take that time and make sure that your vision is really clear uh, and that it's really owned by your whole school community and driven forward by you as governors and trustees, ready for sort of hitting the ground running in September. That's kind of, I suppose, my my end of year plea uh, based off the the research.
2: And that's really well said, Emma, because I th- I think we we've been talking uh, for the last few minutes about schools being in survival mode more than strategic mode, uh, and that's just the times we're in. But I think what what came, came out of the process of refreshing the Bean Strategic Guidance and, and all the conversations that I was privileged to have with, with different people in the sector about our approach to that and since we've launched it, the, the conversations we had at conference, for example, the other week, is that those boards that, in, in good times and bad, embrace strategy development as a, as a discipline and work as a team to embed a vision strategy as you were saying really transform outcomes and the lives of children and young people I think you know I don't think we can overstate just how transformative that process is and life-changing it is Um so and um, don't lose sight of it I think is a very it is a very good uh, message and a very good reminder for, for everyone listening and including ourselves because we, we all govern too and um, just looking forward, can I can I mention something that I can't remember, Sam? You you'll be able to help me out here. Whether this has featured as much in this year's surveys as it did in the previous years, um, but that's just the, the state of our school buildings um, right now. Uh, it was a shocking report released last week where 70,000 pupils, I think, um, it, it estimated, have been educated in buildings that aren't aren't fit for purpose and you know that's that's a legacy again of underinvestment and you know, the treasury uh the dfe uh estimate that it's going to cost the best part or more than five billion pounds to bring buildings in in england schools up to scratch and i think they get currently get around three billion so it's quite easy to understand where the problem is coming from but what surprises me really is that we don't hear more from our members about this and about this issue directly I know we, and it's not that like we don't hear at all. Um, and I just have a feeling that this is an issue coming down the track for us, really. That we're going to be discussing a lot with our members I might be wrong, but um, that's. No, I, think,
3: I think you're right, Steve. Um, so we we asked a very specific question about this this year in the, the survey, which um, we'll uh, will we'll explore in detail in, in the final report in in September. But just as a bit of a headline finding. Um, yeah ab- absolutely this is a growing issue and it's something that more people are telling us about and it's taking more time on their boards discussing it I think probably the key thing is people want a bit more um uh indication of what they're meant to do about it which you know very much follows what, what you just said interestingly as well um we um we, we we're going to be doing a more on this and and including a webinar later on in the year as well so if that is a topic that is um, you know you want to hear more about make sure you you tune into that that webinar that we're going to be doing um, in the autumn term.
0: Absolutely and you please do always talk to us in any which way whether it be at events um, or by email or um, yeah give us a ring. we always want to, to hear about how things are playing out. In your area, because it will be different from other people's um, contexts. Um, so, on that note of looking forward to September, we have some changes uh, here at uh, NGA. Um, I will be job sharing the post of chief executive with Emma Bolchin from uh, September, and as I begin my my Final year at NGA, which has been a very, very long time—14 years. I hope, I hope, well spent. So it will be um, absolute privilege to share that role um, with with Emma. But we also have um, other uh, news. Very um, uh, well, sadly, sadly for 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 us. Um, Steve, um, after four and a half years um, with us as Director of Advice and Guidance, is, is moving on to past is new and Steve has made a, a huge um, uh, contribution to the leadership here and absolutely been in charge of so many of our flagship uh, pieces of, um, of guidance and helping shape um, governance, actually, that's our—that's a bit of our strapline, isn't it? Shaping stronger governance, shaping good, good, good governance. And Steve's definitely been in the business of um, that. So um, this, this really is. Um, oh, I was about to say the last goodbye from you, Steve, which sounds rather melodra- <laughs> melodramatic, but I thought I would hand over um, to you to say a, a, a bit of a goodbye.
2: Well, well, thank you for that, Emma, and. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a strange it's a strange feeling to be moving on. I, I really am going to miss these conversations, uh, however bleak they they become. Yeah, we we always find an optimistic and cheery note, and that's that's what I love about them. So I'll miss these conversations. I'm absolutely going to miss my colleagues at, at NGA uh, and our wonderful members as well. You know, it's been a huge privilege to. Uh, meet and spend time with our members, whether that's at events or in our many networks, governance professional networks, you know, SEN networks, networks to do with funding, many more. Uh, it's just been the most um, wonderful privilege to spend time with people who do so much day in, day out, day in and day out on behalf of others uh, and to talk to them about their experiences and learn from them as well. And so I'd like to thank them for that. You know, the uh, for giving, being so given of their time. Um, I think you've said, Emory in the past, you described the governance community as a as a formidable force for good and a vital part of the civic fabric of our country. And I I don't think I could put that any better myself. Um, I'm really sad to be leaving a job. Uh, that supports uh, our, our wonderful members and, and the wonderful governance community. But I won't—I'm still going to be part of that that community. I will still remain as a governor and a trustee, and that's something that's very important to me. Um, so I—I just like to say thanks to NGA, uh, first of all, for very much for the opportunity. But above all, thanks to to all our members and everyone who governs for for all that you do. Uh, for our children and young people it means a lot
0: yeah really really well said Steve I think that's a brilliant note on which to um, leave this discussion and from all of us and yeah I think we absolutely uh, always want to thank you for, for your time and, and your your care um, in this incredibly important role that, that you pay so thank you I hope Um, despite budgetary issues, you're going to get some good time off um, this summer. So please um, enjoy and we'll um, see you again in September. That's goodbye from all four
1: of us.